0: Hello, you are listening to an episode of the Court Report podcast. My name is Blake Hindle, and I am pleased to introduce our new guest host, Grace Brenner. Grace, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone listening to the podcast?
1: Yes, hello. My name is Grace Brenner. I am a junior at the George Washington University, currently double majoring in French and political science on a pre-law track, and I'm very excited to be here.
0: Grace, can you explain what exactly it is that got you interested in pursuing law as a potential career in the future?
1: Um, I was probably in I would say like tenth or eleventh grade, uh, taking history classes with a, a teacher I'd had for a couple of years. Um, and just when we started to do like the Supreme Court cases of like, like the early years, um, I kind of became interested in like constitutional law and the idea of how that worked. Um, and then talking to her after having like the same teacher for a couple of years, uh, she was married to a lawyer, so she kind of got me in touch with that, and then after doing very terribly on a couple of chemistry tests and realizing science was not my thing. um, It was kind of for a while, the next best thing. But then after taking more classes, I got really kind of hooked on the history, poli-sci, and that kind of translates into law. So,
0: Awesome. That's great. Um, So what do you know about the involvement of what it actually means to go to law school? Um, What I mean by that is, um, how familiar are you? You know, you you said that you're a junior in college now, and you you know that you're uh, intending on applying to law school, and um, through uh, people that you've become familiar with um, in your internship at uh, a law firm local to uh, your your university, um, I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with the process of applying to law school, um, but I, I'm curious as to um, as a junior now that you're you've started hearing about. Um, what, about a third of the way through your first semester, right? Um, what ha, what steps have you done so far um, that you've become familiar with in the law school admissions process?
1: Um, I think a big thing is just like starting to familiarize yourself with the test and like what is on the test, what goes into the test, when to take the test, which is something I feel like I didn't really know about until probably this year um but other than that I think just like being part of some student orgs on campus like my freshman year there was like a women's pre-law student organization um where they kind of had they would do practice LSAT together they'd talk to one of our professors um who used to practice as an attorney and then just kind of like talking to students who have taken it before um about like when to study like when to start studying how to study um and then in terms of like internships and stuff. I think one of the biggest things I learned was just to like talk to as many people as you can. Um, You learn it's very competitive so you have to be really patient especially as an undergraduate because no one really wants like it's just it's hard to get something that's like steady. Um, So I think the biggest thing for me was just like like the way I got my internship was going to a networking event with my friend who's like an IA major Um, and it was some like business thing I don't even really know what it was for but I ended up talking to someone who had worked with the head attorney at the place I'm at now um so I think just kind of trying like going out of your way to get any sort of internship but if you can find something that is like law related that's a pretty good step forward um and then in terms of like taking classes and stuff I'm taking like a constitutional law class now but I've also learned that just taking like classes you're interested in um I'm double majoring in French just cause I like it and I'm passionate about it. So just kind of doing things that you would do otherwise, but try to like see how that can get you ahead when you're applying to law school, like taking classes that you're interested in, but might not be like, they've talked a lot about how pre-law isn't like a great major, um, before law school. So just taking classes you're interested in, um, trying to get in touch with people who have had legal internships to see if you can literally like take it from them when they're done. Um, And just stuff like that, I think it kind of leads into an interesting conversation about like um, how to know if you should take a gap year, like how fast you can study for the LSAT, if you can do it like realistically not in a summer, but just like how much time you'll need if you're going to study abroad or if you're going to like focus more on your academics, take a lot of credits in a year. I think all of that goes into it.
0: That's awesome. I think... Uh, What's particularly interesting about this particular episode with you uh, as your first inaugural episode at the Court Report podcast um, is that you are uh, a current university student. Um, For those who don't know, I recently graduated from the George Washington University with a uh, Bachelor's of Arts in the uh, International Affairs with a concentration in security policy of this past May. Um, But for you, um, you are still undergoing the onslaught of a, a rigorous course load on top of a legal internship, which is quite difficult to get, and it's interesting to see the dichotomy of someone who's uh, still undergoing all this 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 process of attaining your degree and uh, two majors, but also who is um, putting down solid steps in the right direction to becoming a competitive uh, top law school applicant. Um, I think it's uh, what you said about um, exploratory measures um, in talking to people that are already in the profession, whether it's um, current lawyers or professors that you have that that teach a law class, if you have the ability to utilize those assets, um, if it's available to you, say, your university, or if you have the time to apply to um, internships around you and just get familiar with what it actually means to be a lawyer beyond the classroom, I think that's incredible. Going forward from that, I think you, you had mentioned some things about um, what it means to like study for the LSAT. So with you taking your rigorous course load with two majors, and I'm sure this is something that quite a few people can relate to, um, whether whatever their degree is, you had mentioned that there's no particular um, ideal degree for you know someone who's um, quote unquote pre-law. Um, meaning that there's no degree that one must obtain before applying to law school. As, you know, unlike the case in med school where most go through the route of biology and chemistry and developing solid science backgrounds, it seems to be the case that the better understanding you have maybe of psychology or um, anything relating to the fundamental nature of human psychology might be something that's pretty beneficial. Um, For me doing IA, um, it's something that's not necessarily the personal side, but you understand a little bit how the, how the world works, and not so much about the legal system that will come later into play at you know when you're taking classes at law school. But to understand that there's no pressure on what you want to do, um, if you if you know law school is in your future, there's nothing inherently wrong with choosing a major that you're personally interested in that you don't think necessarily applies to law school. Um, for those that are worried about their LSAT. That, that is the substantial element in the packet of applying to law school. Um, your LSAT weighs more than an, an entire four-year degree, although that is your uh, cumulative undergrad GPA is the second weighted element in that packet. But for someone to obtain a legal internship, let's say, um, th- what are the big elements of someone who is applying to law school? Right. So in a system where it's tiered, right? Um, Let's essentially rank the factors of someone's law school application. And we talked about this in uh, the previous episodes that we had posted, Um, but essentially it's the LSAT score, your um, uh, curve score out of 180, 120 to 180. Then it would be your cumulative weighted undergraduate GPA. And then below that would be your letters of recommendation, personal statement, diversity statement if there is one, addendums explaining anything away that um, will essentially uh, a written explanation for anything that might need further um, information for the law school admissions officers reviewing your packet when you do choose to apply. Um, And then it would also be uh, the essential extracurriculars. So whether that's an internship or uh, volunteer activities or extracurriculars, maybe uh, you know, in your case, I'm familiar with what you do. Maybe uh, people listening might not be. So, would you like to say um, what specific clubs you were in? You had mentioned you were um, uh, a, a candidate. Well, I guess uh, a scholar in the women's the women's leadership program was it? Your freshman? yeah,
1: that was my freshman year. So that was more um, just a one year program for incoming freshmen at our school. Um, you could apply like separately to your regular undergrad application you could join I think it was one of four different cohorts there was international politics I did globalization economics and business they had like an arts and culture and I think like a medicine one Um, so that's interesting too because that kind of I somehow I either messed it up or I was put in the wrong one I was supposed to do the politics one ended up in the business and economics one and that was kind of the first time that I got exposure to like a class that i It was an economics class I didn't really intend on taking. Um, And that was kind of the start of, I don't know, kind of like wanting to experiment with different things in college. And that kind of led me like going to explore different clubs and stuff is when I found, it was the Women's Pre-Law Student Org, um, which did like a lot of, um, they also did a lot of like volunteer activities that you could help with like fundraisers, which kind of goes like that almost just can go right on your law school application if you stay with it. Um, And then, As for that, that was just a one-year program, but I guess, like, um, the process of trying to find legal internships is kind of hard when you're in undergrad. Um, (laughs) Like I said, like, the best way to do it, everyone told me this, too, which kind of, like, was, I found it frustrating at first, because everyone's, like, network, 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 but it's, like, unless you know, like, a, a family member or, like, someone's, I don't know, like, friend's sister's uncle, like, it's very hard to find, people especially in the area who are willing to like take on interns um but I think one of the biggest things is just like going to as many of those little things as you can um when I first was in touch with my boss so it's like a like two women on this firm the one that I work for now wasn't the one that I was originally talking to but they both have like this firm with two separate branches and I was talking to her and I was just like, hey, like I'm an undergrad. I'm really interested in immigration law because I am. And that's something that I hopefully in some way will kind of do when I'm older. But talking to her, um, it was more of like a just like you tell them you're interested in what they do. Um, hopefully you actually are like you talk to them. They want to talk about you a little bit. And then that for me almost turned into like an interview in a way because I you can kind of slip in like, hey, I'm looking for like work or something like over the summer. Um, so that was helpful, helpful for me to learn just for like future, like networking events is to just talk to people. I I think the lady I talked to at the actual event was like working for NATO or something for like ocean protection. And she ended up being the best friend of my bosses, like, um, the other woman who works at the firm. So that was like pure luck. But in terms of like actually applying what I've heard from my friends is literally just to like either on handshake or whatever like the undergrads use just send out like as many as you can um but really like it makes a substantial difference if you can talk to the people who are actually involved mm-hmm. um and then i think that's pretty much it in that but i guess like as an aspiring law school student i think one of the things I'm not really worried about but more curious about is like is it always worth it to like study as soon as you can, as much as you can, say, like, in the summer, Um, because I'm hoping to study abroad in the spring, so, like, that's kind of a whole, like, that's wiped out for studying, and then I'll have the next summer, but it's, like, do I want to spend all day, every day studying, like, is that the right way to go, or is it better to kind of almost, like, count on taking a gap year and just not try to mix it in too much with studying, because, like, even just taking 15 credits at school right now, it's, like, I'll always have something to do, and, like, I can't imagine trying to like do all the practice tests and everything with that. So, I guess just like as someone who's closer to taking the LSAT and going to law school than I am, I guess just like how do you manage that? How do you, what's like your opinion on like the benefits versus the cost of a gap year, like that kind of stuff?
0: No, absolutely. Um, th- this is a great thing. And I, I, this is something I really want people to take away uh, is to learn from my mistake. This is a generally accepted view uh, in the pool of people who have taken the LSAT and are uh, aspiring law school students is um, to study for the LSAT during the academic year when you are taking a full academic course load is more or less impossible. (laughs) Um, It's certainly not impossible in the sense that you can do it, but it will have to be a much reduced Load over time. Um, they say the ideal the ideal amount of prep work to study for the LSAT before you're ideally ready to take it, before your PT score is um, in the bracket you aim for it to be, uh, is around th- at least three to four months. Um, some people take up as much of a year, uh, maybe more, depending on their particular circumstance, how they how they uh, deal with standardized testing, but. That equates to at least around 300 hours of preparation, um, doing, you know, understanding the test and then doing practice problems. Um, When I first became aware that I wanted to go to law school and take on that challenge following uh, my graduation um, from my undergrad, um, I initially thought that it would be possible to sneak in a couple hours here and there studying for uh, a standardized test that I essentially knew nothing about at the time other than that it was supposedly one of the most difficult tests anyone could take uh, and that it was going to be a rigorous time consuming process. That being said, uh, it is one of the biggest difficulties that I found being an undergrad student, um, knowing that I wanted to go to law school, finding the time to slip it in. Now, you can be a very regimented student and if it works out in your schedule, build some hours in the morning or afternoon or here and there where you can uh, do a couple lessons. Um, This is all dependent upon whether you, you are someone who likes to study independently or through a guided in-person class. That might uh, be a conversation we'll explore in a little while, but um, I think it was more or less impossible for me to really focus in on what content I was learning and studying for the test, because, you know, time really does fly by when you're in school. And I say that, but there really isn't a point where you have like a long period of, of uh, essentially free time to really set aside to absorb the content you're learning for the offset. Whether it's like, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to being assigned, you know, multiple papers to do a, at one point or another, or you, you know, maybe are someone who gets very anxious about your uh, midterms and finals and presentations coming up and you need to spend a couple of weeks preparing for that. And for me, there was an also like um, a voice in my head, more or less, that was kind of telling me it's like, oh, well, if I was studying for the offset, you know, it's like I have all these other tasks going on. Maybe you're also uh, a student who's taking a full course load and also working or have an internship. Um, so it's, there's this, you know, background noise saying, "Oh, you're studying for the LSAT. You know, it's very important," and you like you accept that and you know that. But there's also all these other tasks in the background running at the same time, and it's very mentally difficult to break it up and set aside. It's the mental discipline training for law school begins the second you essentially commit to studying for the LSAT to really make sure you're doing your due diligence, setting time aside to, to do it. Um, but what I would say, um, which, you know, my, uh, course in applying to law school, uh, has evolved quite a bit since I made the decision that that's what I wanted to do when I became a junior. Um, this was, uh, it was my in- initial intention to not take a gap year and apply in the, um, 2022, 2023 cycle. So I would have um, gone into law school this fall of 2023, um, having applied in the early, uh, the earlier part of September last year in 2022. Um, that being said, finding time to study for the LSAT on top of the courses I was taking, and with everything else I going on with starting um, the Law and Policy Society at the George Washington University, which you have now headed up as the president, on top of also restarting the French club at the George Washington University, shouldn't be so modest. Uh, <laughs> um, it was it was really difficult to find the time to really set aside. Um, this is, like I said, this is the most essential part of your application to law school is the LSAT. So take making sure that you're spending enough time to really maximize the score that you can get um, is the biggest determining factor of where you'll end up at law school um, that being said like there are the other elements we had mentioned before um, besides the offset so your GPA you know maybe you've had a rough patch in your first couple of years a lot of people switch their majors so there's a lot of difficulty a lot of people think they're already writing themselves off um, but the, the the personal element i think is the main takeaway that we're talking about now um, What really sets you aside when it comes down to, you know, say you're, um, you know, applying to law school and you need the, uh, we'll, we'll create a hypothetical scenario, right? So we are the admissions officers of Big Law University, right? Uh, and we're looking at two applicants together, side by side, two packets, and they all have all of their, you know, they're both stunning. They both have, you know, a 165 LSAT and like a 3.6 weighted GPA. Um, maybe one's a psych major, one's a you know a business major. That part doesn't really matter. It's essentially if there are similar candidates and with the numbers, the numerical side of your application, um, this will essentially be uh, a dividing factor between how you are as a person and the other experiences you have to complement you your numbers, right? Because as much as it sucks and everyone hates this as the process, this is what deters a lot of people, I think, from applying to law school, is that it, it's not enough really anymore, especially when you're thinking about competing at the top levels. I say competing um, in the process of applications because it is essentially a competition between tens of thousands of people for those top spots at those top 14 law schools to get in. And it's it's those other personal elements, such as um, interning or maybe founding or running uh, student orgs or volunteering, um, any valuable work experience at a law firm or anything heavily research-based, that's the stuff that's essentially going to set you aside. Um, Maybe your personal element is also something that can help. Um, Maybe you've overcome um, adverse hardship that is uncommon for most people, or maybe you just have uh, a relatively unique story. But these are the things that will essentially set you aside from, the other, the other people applying that are similar to you in your uh, numerical element, which is, uh, that could be really the, the determining factor for a lot of people, um, which I think, you know, for someone like you, who's now accepted that law school is certainly a prospective future career, um, to have already taken up a, a legal internship, which is very difficult to get, um, even if you're dead set on finding one, because um, most legal internships throughout the country are reserved for uh, people who are either um, currently committed or enrolled in an accredited law school or specifically for two L's or three L's. Um, For most people who are familiar with the law school process, uh, around your second year is when you start to specialize in a specific field of law, uh, and then you will um, kind of move in uh, and specialize there. And that's why a lot of experiences at um, major firms and even private um, practices are kind of reserved for those Students. Um, but I like, like you said, it's you got to talk to people and you really have to explore the options that you have available to you. Um, if you're currently a university student, I think it's well within your best interest to try and explore as much as you can before you really start committing to studying for law school. Um, it, it's not necessarily that you're exploring the different fields of law, but you're understanding, you know, may, okay, so this is what's generally involved. Um, Because it's very hard to see past the classroom at what law school might actually entail or what the legal field might actually be like. Um, Because most people just think that even getting in is so difficult and it's very hard to compartmentalize these different areas for some people. Um, But I think that is something that is worth paying a lot of attention to, to really take as much advantage in doing the research before you really commit to starting. I think for most people, waiting until you graduate really isn't that bad of an idea to start studying for the LSAT. Like I like I mentioned, I I really meant to drive this point home. Um, when you study for the LSAT, you need to make sure that you have enough time set aside every single day to really stick to a study schedule to keep, um, you know, your due diligence and mental discipline sharp. Um, because not only will that will that be critical for your success in law school, but Um, for your understanding and your absorption of information that you need to succeed on the LSAT. Uh, If you can nail that and you have all the other elements, I think that's essentially what will set you aside as the top candidate for any law school you choose to apply to. And it seems uh, in your case, someone who's still going through this process that, you know, you already have volunteer experience, um, someone who has now started essentially two clubs um, and already has legal experience and will have plenty of time setting aside uh, it's a study for the LSAT following graduation and you're, you're still two years out at least. I think for, you know, maybe to round this out, I think for a lot of people, um, the, the idea of a gap year is maybe somewhat uninviting, um, because most people just want to get on with it, even though law school is a three-year, um, <laughs> maybe a three-year term of endurement uh, maybe a three-year sentence for some people. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think to really make sure like, you know, especially having endured COVID-19 for two years in the middle of college for, you know, both of us and for thousands of other people, um, you know, taking that time to really just decompress from the process that you underwent in your um, uh, undergrad bachelor experience. And then to really think, is this what I want to do? And then once you made that decision and found a study plan that's right for you, then you can really hammer it out and take as much time as you need before you're prepared. But I will say, once you have a pretty set routine and schedule that you are able to stick to, um, waiting until you actually feel comfortable with the score bracket that you're hitting with your practice tests, your PTs, then take the LSAT. I think a lot of people, including myself, I've changed my mentality completely on this, but for a lot of people, there's so much anxiety um, that, you know, you have to go right away and taking extra time before starting is like a bad idea. And I think that's a really negative stigma that needs to be dispelled. Um, there is no rush to get into law school. There are people who go in when they're 40, 50, etc. cetera. Um, but really making sure to spend as much time as you need to have the most p- perfectly crafted application packet is absolutely critical to finding your limit of success, not only in law school, but in the legal profession and as a professional in your you know, work life uh, following that.
1: Yeah, I think as something to like talk about maybe in a different episode too, um, especially as someone who's just not a standardized test person. Um, and knowing that unlike medical school, people do look at where you went to law school. I think like if you have everything else like kind of going for you, taking another year to like really, really study, take tests, not do so great, get rid of the first one, get it off your record. Um, criminal record, and then you can kind of go in and take it and take a gap year and just get more experience. And I think that's kind of how I'm at least looking at it now, um, just to kind of go when I'm ready, but not push it because going somewhere you want to go matters. And no, yeah.
0: absolutely, that's wonderful advice. Grace Benner, I'd like to thank you for sitting here and talking to me about um, you know what it is to be a prospective law school student, and I'd also like to invite you formally to the Court Report family. Uh, as my new co-host. So thank you very much for taking the time.
1: Thank you. <laughs> All
0: right. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Court Report podcast. Uh, we'll be uploading new episodes pretty routinely. Um, thank you again. Take care.